0: Hello, welcome to Talking Usework. My name is Rui Branco, and together with Anita Silva, we bring you a podcast where we interview newswork experts and practitioners that have a say when it comes to innovation in work. either because they are using creative methods to empower young people, researching on news trends, or responsible for use policies at international level. Like a shot of inspiration, all of our guests have a unique point of view about how can newsworkers shake up, upgrade, and innovate on their daily work.
1: Hi, welcome. So, you are probably wondering what clowning has to do with youth work, right? This episode, we talked with Pedro Fabião. He is a clown, an actor, a director, psychodramatist, and a group specialist. He was actually the artistic director of the biggest hospital clown organization in Portugal for several years and outside the artistic field he has led groups primarily in the areas of social work and psychology into immersive experiences focused on creativity, playfulness, humour, emotional intelligence, empathy all of that through the art of clowning. We explored how, while exploring your inner clown, you can take yourself into a journey of self-discovery and expression of forging deeper connections with others through authenticity and how that can be useful for youth workers to transfer to their work with young people and families and communities. We hope you have a good time while listening. You don't need a red nose. Let's just talk some youth work. Hello, hello, and welcome back to this um, episode of the podcast Talking Youth Work. We hope that you are feeling well and safe and happy wherever you are and whatever you are doing. Maybe you're driving or walking your dog or um, doing the dishes or procrastinating important tasks that you have in hands. <laughs> well, whatever it is, um, we hope that you are safe. We are here recording on Skype as it became usual now, but uncommonly we are, uh, the three of us, not that far from each other geographically. We are all in Portugal. I am here with Rui Branco. Welcome, Rui. Hola.
0: Hello. Hello.
1: <laughs> and with our guest, Pedro Fabião. Welcome, Pedro.
2: Salam alaikum.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so today we have an interesting topic. The art of clowning and the art of youth work. And how do they relate? So we decided to invite Pedro Fabião. He is an experienced clown and a clown trainer as well but I would invite you Pedro to share with us a little bit what is it that you do?
2: <laughs> that, that's something I'm still trying to find out after all these years uh, but nowadays what I do mostly is really training artists, performing artists, mostly clowns and about 10 years ago, I also started to uh,
0: expand the training to everybody else who could be interested in the tools I use
2: with artists, which surprisingly, it just became clear quite quickly that they are tools that are very much in need of current times. So, yeah, I train groups. I work mainly with groups. I sometimes I coach or I do uh, I, I I do talks, mm-hmm. but uh, and I also perform. Uh, I I must not forget that originally I'm a performer. Just the the, the amount of training uh, jobs that I've been getting have been uh, overtaking completely my very <laughs> illustrious acting career that never really took off. <laughs> but uh, I mean, it was amazing. I worked 16 years as an hospital clown.
1: Well, and, I would say that took off.
2: Come on, 60 years? Off. Yeah, I became a hospital clown master. Mm-hmm. Uh, I directed the Portuguese organization of hospital clowns for a couple of years. And yeah, and there uh, it takes off because you, pref- you do your best work for audiences of two people, three people in one room. Sometimes you have a waiting room with uh, 30 people, and it feels like, oh my God. The, this is what it's started. An
1: arena, this is a stadium. <laughs> yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. So basically, that's what I'm doing at the moment. I also I also graduated in psychology, so I I my hobby is um, working sometimes with uh, psychotherapeutic groups as well. Mm-hmm. I specialize in psychodrama. So yeah, but I'm very happy that I can do that also as a hobby, as something I do for pleasure. Right. And very cool. Clowning is my serious job.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, That's um... funny.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's a joke. When I tell this to the people in finances, they ask my, what's, what's your job? And I, I love to answer clown. Yeah. <laughs> because they always open their eyes. Very surprised. They do a double take like, oh, my God, are you a real clown? Yeah. Nice to meet you. <laughs>
1: Well, it's, um, uh, your your experience and the work you do is really interesting. Uh, I was lucky enough to work with you for the last, what, two, three years? We were training, two years, we were training, um, well, youth workers, educators that were working with um, children that are in care homes. And I don't know, we trained around 600 people using clown techniques and improv techniques and other techniques um, on different Uh, Topics that were related to their work. So, like you were saying, using clowning um, in other areas, professional areas. So, what you do is not training just clowns, although you also do that, but you also help professionals in different areas to improve their capacity in that area by using the techniques of clown. And I think to for people to understand how that, that goes, um, because like you say, when people when we talk about clowning, there's always that like, what is that? I'm meeting a clown. It's like meeting a unicorn. <laughs> it really so I would ask you, what is the art of clowning? How would you define? I know it's hard to define, but how would you describe the art of clowning.
2: Well, I always love to start with what's not clowning. Right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> th- that's good to, to uh, r- I don't know, destroy some images people have. Right. Uh, a, a, a scary clown, uh, uh, you know, that's not a clown. That's somebody dressed as a clown. That's, that's what I'm telling my kid all the time when he says, Dad, that's a clown. I'm scared of clowns. That's not a clown. That's a jerk dressed as a clown <laughs> trying to scare the people, you know, <laughs> because that's really not the effect clowns. Uh, I mean, good clowns have on people. They're not all, like also ang- the Anglo-Saxon world. I, it, it, there was a, a perversion a bit of, of, uh, the image of the clown, uh, cl- clowns exist since immemorial times, right? They, they have a function in in this, in the any social group, right? Mm-hmm. As an example, like there was gesture, a
1: gestures also jester. Gesture, I think that's how you say.
2: Gesture, yeah, but
1: they were also kind of a clown, right?
2: Absolutely. Uh, that that's a, a very close relative of mine, mm-hmm. the jester. <laughs> right. Then, of course, there's different kind of comedy, different kind of humor. It comes from different places and it has different functions. Mm-hmm. Humor can have quite a few different functions, but uh, but we're all related. And if you go even way back, you can find still in some tribes, the connection between the clown and the shaman, Mm -hmm. the clown and the leader of the tribe, the clown and the people who uh, people uh, go to when nothing else works. Right. Uh, So the doctor, the priests, the 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 chef the 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 big leader of the tribe, the lawyer, the judge the dancer, the artists this is pretty much uh, in 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 i don't know thousands of years ago this was pretty much connected mm-hmm. uh, so when things are out of the norm, when the norm is not enough, these are the the um, the roles in the in the social group that people turn to right. So uh, they, they would have a different position in the tribe. They would not have a normal life like everybody else. You know, not the same expectations other people would have about them either. Uh, it was considered that they were chosen by uh, some exterior force, like, I don't know, an accident that mm-hmm. makes their body different in some cultures or, you know, a, 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 an Im- Im- a personality tendency to not be able to conform to the to the rest of the group, right? So they could see things from the outside. They could offer a different perspective.
1: So, uh, so you're saying that the clown always had in 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 societies through history some kind of position of power? Would you say that?
0: Yeah, it, I, I'd say maybe more the counter power, uh-huh. right? Okay, uh, an outsider that looks to the problem in a different way because he's outside sometimes. Exactly. So
2: it's not re- if, if the clown wants the power, then that's, that's not a clown anymore. I'd say, you know, of course the clown represents all human tendencies. So they also have that. They also play with that, but that's not their role in the social group. You know, like in social, in social groups, you have some roles that need to be taken. The, the, the leadership, is the the biggest problem then the scapegoat uh, you know the, the, there's always these different roles that sooner or later they're going to appear in a social group the most healthy groups these roles are not uh, rigid so according to the situation according to the, the the context they can be flexible different people can assume different uh, the same role in different times right? Uh, in more rigid groups or in groups that are facing very uh, high-tension situations, then they tend to become more rigid. Uh, but that's the, the role of the clown is also to offer the possibility of change, offer the possibility of adaptation, offer the possibility of uh, releasing the tension that even if things are always the same for a long time, the norm creates a tension so you always need a, a, a character that is making things flow and not become more and more stagnant. Because stagnation leads to change, and normally it's not a good change.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, let me let me use that to 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 uh, reflect a little bit about the clown nowadays. So you just described kind of the role of clowning in society, from from what I understood. But if somebody is going through, learn how to be a clown today as a performer. Um, what does that mean? How does that history of the social role is kind of reflected in an artist that nowadays uh, performs partly those roles somehow? Mm. I mean, how well, would you describe that? Nowadays, we, we, we are
2: facing a, a, a change, which is there are people coming to clown trainings that would not come before, mm-hmm. right? So even when I started, I sound like an old person now. When I was young, <laughs> when I started. Things are very different. <laughs> the truth is, I, I I think my first contact with clowning was around the end of the nineties, right? And the people who were um, devoting their lives to clowning, or at least being attracted to clown trainings, which were very rare at the time. I Mm -hmm. had to wait years until I had the first opportunity here in Portugal to have a clown training. My first one was in Brazil. Mm -hmm. uh, And then I had to go to the street and try out things that I learned there because there was nothing going on here. But uh, nowadays, there's more and more people being drawn into clowning. Uh, A lot of people show up in my workshops coming from psychology, Mm -hmm. coming from um, the corporate world, coming from youth training. So uh, people come looking for ways of being closer to others, to develop their capacity to be empathic with others, but also with themselves. A lot of people come because they want to uh, be more flexible Mm -hmm. with their emotional expression, for instance, right? To create space within them them in, in a playful way, not in a deep perhaps heavier therapeutic session, uh, setting mm-hmm. uh, that allows them to contact with parts of themselves that they feel a little bit strength, I don't know uh, foreign to even right So that there is there is a call for self-knowledge in a lot of people who come uh, looking for clowning, which mm-hmm. is which didn't happen before. Also, the teachers in the clown teachers from my time—they were really ruthless. They were <laughs> harsh, right? So, you—you you were funny, or you would suck, and it would be painful, right? <laughs> so, only people who had who developed a thick skin and really wanted it—they would go through the whole thing. So, uh, nowadays. That doesn't work anymore. There was a cultural shift. That's not even possible anymore to to treat people like yeah. you know I saw and I was treated to. In
1: the army. Yeah, <laughs> the army.
0: absolutely,
2: absolutely. But but,
0: uh, but I was thinking uh, uh, if that didn't change the the role of the clown because you cannot be out an outsider if you're not an outsider, and I think that the clowning must have changed through that. Because the people that went to clowning, the real hardcore clowns like you were mentioning, they were outsiders because society wouldn't treat them the same way. True.
2: Yeah. And I think I think now the clown world world is a lot more diverse, mm-hmm. I'd say. So it, it it welcomes a lot of different uh trends and personalities and, and goals, right? But I think also historically there are so there is so much I I just spoke about uh, like in every culture there was a different expression of of this role right and now it seems that we're welcoming all of them at the same time oh. I think this is what's happening and probably not only in clowning but definitely you can see that also here in in this art
1: form would Would you say that I don't know the way I see it I think there are um two different um paths in this clown the art of clowning in one way there is the people who learn clowning to become clowns as such um and others who want to have training in clowning like you're saying like educators for example or others who want to that understood know that um Clowning is one of these more areas that you can incorporate in a holistic way when you look at your own professional area. Either you are a photographer, or an educator, or an, an I don't know, a financial manager. Mm-hmm. That there's some kind of interoperability between the competences that you need for one thing and another, um, and and that's the one i want to focus on uh, later on. But before that, I just wanted to kind of clarify shortly. These clown performers, because I think that maybe while we're talking about this, a lot of people in their heads, they're thinking of the clown performer as somebody who is mainly learning to stumble on their feet and fall, how to take pies on their face, how yeah. to juggle and monocycle at the same time, yeah. and how to paint their faces white. Basically, that's it. But I think there's more to it, even just, even just talking of the pure performing clowns. Yeah. I think there's more to it, right? That, that, that's
2: what you see from the outside. If you're if you are in a in a hurry, exactly.
1: Right?
2: If you're in a hurry, you see that oh, clowns. Okay, good. But if you if you take a closer look, what you really what you can really see, and more than seeing, what you can feel in in good clowning, because clowning is like everything else. You you you'll find that eighty percent are quite average and even uh, perhaps uh, mediocre, right? Like in in any other field, this happens, right? And then you have 20% who who are good, and then you have 1-2% who are genius. Mm -hmm. Uh, This happens the same with clowns. But the good ones, the the ones that can really represent uh, uh, clowning, uh, you can really... uh, You you are transformed by uh, being in the presence of their performance, Mm -hmm. Right? their performances made in a way that they open something really they create a, an atmosphere of closeness even if they are in a in a stage with hundreds of people you will feel intimate with the, with the very small experience that that clown is going through and normally you you know there's there's a, a play there's a story there's a goal uh, and the, the clown comes on stage to try to do something or achieve something. And it's normally something that is not necessarily extraordinary, you know. It's, it's, that's a difference to most of the other art forms. In the other art forms, you try to do something extraordinary as if it's effortless, right? Mm-hmm. And in clowning, you try to do something that is pretty average. Anybody should be able to do that, but it becomes a miracle, when you can do it, right? Because it's it represents us. We are all in our daily lives trying to achieve a, a livable life, right? And it's not an easy task. So this is what the clown show is like, my God, it's so hard to just have a life and be okay with it. So they, they let you see the backstage, of simple actions of simple goals in life and how many obstacles you find in the way how much tragedy you can live in basic things basic achievements right in love falling in love in mm. sitting on a chair in eating uh, your lunch whatever is the goal you know everything can become a tragedy mm. and and how do you deal with that and now how can you can how can you share that with the world in a celebration of what is what it is to be human? Mm-hmm. I think that's really the 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 story, the main story be, behind all clowning is a celebration of the fallen angel. We're all trying to be perfect. We're all trying to be like God, right? To try to go to the to the perfection of creation. To the but as as, as the more we we go up, the higher the the height that we fall from. And this is this is the the. All the narrative behind all it's
1: always a story of, of failure in the end. It's always a, a, story, it's of a story of
2: failure. Of failure is the story of vulnerability? Is mm-hmm. the story of playfulness? Yeah. It's the story of hope, of keep keeping on trying, even when it, it looks hopeless, right? It's a story of emotional freedom. Not action, not freedom in the action, because n- nobody has freedom in the action, mm-hmm. complete freedom. So we empathize with the clowns because they are in a prison just like us, mm-hmm. but they are free to feel. And that's the freedom that they give everybody because they, they take you on board the, the the journey that they go through. And then you, you get transformed by their freedom of releasing the emotions that we have in our lives with the shortcomings, with the, with the obstacles that we find.
0: It's like the permission to be human. Yeah,
2: absolutely. That's, that's the title. <laughs> I'm going to write that down. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm looking for
0: titles. For yeah. For sure. yeah, permission to be on? human. Yeah, you can permission
2: take it. Permission to be human. Thank yeah. you.
0: Yeah, but I, I was thinking that uh, one thing that uh, tracks me in, in clowning, and I wanted to discuss this, I- is that um, it's like the anti-hero be- that is the hero. And it's the same, it, like the, the thing that you were saying, that things don't always work out. But when you can laugh at things, you already won. And that's the thing that you're not hopeless when you can laugh at things. And the the role of humor, I think it's like, you know, from psychology, it's a coping mechanism. And if you can laugh, you can overcome the hopelessness that the situation might bring.
2: Absolutely. You know, when when you see somebody only doing well and and achieving great things, you don't really feel... (laughs) Deep empathy for this person. You may feel admiration. and it's also beautiful. and
0: envy is also human. envy.
2: Absolutely. <laughs> and And that's what where clowns come from, you know, they they play with all that. They don't chuck any of the human features and human emotions. They they are envious, they are jealous, they are angry, they are frustrated, but they're also they dance over all these emotions, right? They they move. They rise they go, above them. Exactly. And yeah, and, and then there's the freedom of the laughter, you know, there's nothing that creates at the same time more closeness and more distance as a laugh together. Yeah.
1: I think you described really beautifully a lot of the, a lot, a lot of what it is to to uh, to be a clown and to be in contact, in presence of clowning, of somebody else or of our own. I would say, but. Um, I'm afraid maybe some people are thinking like, damn, I've never saw that clown. (laughs) I never saw that kind of clowning that would transform me. Would you recommend a few names that you'd say like search in YouTube or go to a show if, if they come up in your city? Would you say like two or three names that you say like don't miss this or some some clowns that people can see and kind of understand that it is not about tripping on your feet. It's about something else. It's about connection, like you were saying.
2: Like that's very hard, you know, I, I could say some names, but they're so obscure, you know, that the, the friends of mine, the, the, it's it, it, in the cinema, you still have the, the masters, you still have Charlie Chaplin, mm-hmm. you have Mr. Keaton, you have uh, Harold Lloyd, you have Laurel and Hardy in the good decade, you know, around the 30s, because then it it also varies a lot. Uh, you have, you know, you, you have more, um, uh, recent things. There are some things after Jim Carrey gave up of the using only his face as a humor tool when he dropped the mask, literally, (laughs) (laughs) then he also found something that if you want to look on YouTube and you look for Andy Kaufman. Anything that Andy Kaufman did in the end of the 70s, beginning of the 80s, is extremely uh, powerful, and nobody was doing that. It's it's frightening how 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 much in in a uncomfortable place he is, and and he is riding those waves, you know. He's having a laugh, and everybody's like, "How can he do this? How <laughs> possible?" You know, and I don't know, Reggie Watts go on, on on youtube search reggie watts he's he's a one of my heroes uh, idiot heroes you know <laughs> yeah there's so many you know so many um i could maybe then complete these lists and maybe you put it in the in the post the yeah. Podcast.
0: Yeah, yeah
1: yeah sure let's do that let's do that and With that, I would go to the other, let's say, fields where the art of clowning can be useful, which is all the other mortals (laughs) who work in other professions and want to learn clowning techniques to improve their work. In this case, specifically youth workers um, of all kinds, working in mute centers or in the street or in homes for children in care or anywhere else. Um, How how would you say that the, the art of clowning or let's put it very in concrete terms, how would a workshop on clowning, how how would it could help them? Right.
2: So um, what's really essential in the beginning is to create uh, an atmosphere that has to incorporate two things. It has to incorporate fun and playfulness on one side. So we activate um, something that is how children learn and how children can uh, cope with novelty, which Mm. is through play, right? So there's a a very subtle regression, which is, it's not a a matter of maturity. You don't need to become a dumber to do this, right? But you do access a part in yourself where boundaries are not so thick. So things start like... uh, I don't know, it becomes thinner and you can move through a lot of different fields. And the other thing that you really need to create is uh, safety. It's Mm -hmm. physical safety, emotional safety, right? And there's there's a few games and exercises that I always need in the beginning to make that happen. Uh, Without that, I will not ask people to risk if they don't feel, okay, there's a safety net. And it's fun. There's there's a, a goodie. There's, a, there's candy in it. So I'm already enjoying it. So let me just carry on. You know, this is not painful. It's very much the contrary. So why not? This why not question is very important, right? right. Uh, there's there's a, a psychologist that created a term that I really love, which is the transitional field, mm-hmm. which is... Something that is not complete reality because it's reversible and there's no consequences in this, in this uh, space that you create, right? At the same time, uh, it's not pure fantasy. It's not something that is pure fiction. Mm-hmm. There, what, what is happening in there is real. The emotions that you bring are real. The fun, the motivation, the bodies. The, 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 the exchanges that happen there, they are real, but they happen without consequence and without and it's reversible. You know, you do it and you can undo it as well. Uh, it's not like, you know, I, I remember when I had my first child, that was irreversible. I really felt, oh, my God, there's no way back from this, right? So it really helped me understanding the concept of reversibility yeah. and how powerful it is in life. So um, that is just the beginning. This is the gateway. Then the the second step that is fundamental for me to 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 work on, because this is, um, this is our, our ground, is to connect people with their bodies. So all play starts with the body.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: uh it's inscribed in the body the body is our first toy right when we are born even before we can actually grab things and and see the 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 limits of objects mm-hmm. we have sensations in the body we bring the hands to the mouth we feel pleasure we discover the 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 physical laws the you know the outside and the relationship between the outside and the inside All through the body. So I really like this concept as the body is our first and our lifelong toy. Mm -hmm. And if you lose pleasure and if you lose touch with your first toy, no other toys can come close to you. They have to come through this huge toy. So um, we have a lot of, um, I mean, a few steps where uh, people really go into a playful relationship with their bodies. And the other thing that needs to really be open is their connection with breathing, with the breath, because the breath is really where for me, it's the first um, clown play engine. It's the the first thing that you can work on and you can engage to start playing. Mm -hmm. And if you're not breathing, play will not happen. You can have the best idea you can have the best play partner you can have the best toys you can be in google in a you know only fun stuff to do around try not to breathe mm-hmm. nothing will happen and well, when once it will happen yeah something will happen the, the emergency van will come pretty quickly <laughs> right but you know like we, we also work a lot in letting yourself be seen Mm-hmm. Not hiding, showing, you, letting you, it's, it's better than the expression Show yourself, is let yourself Be seen, you don't need to perform Just let yourself be seen Look at people And you know, what's happening Is it terrifying? Oh, interesting Where Where is it terrifying In the body? How can we show that? Right? So normally All these experiences If you don't have the safety and the Playfulness, they become Very frightening For most people, you know, you know, these lists, what's the biggest fear of a normal human being? It's not dying, singing in public and stuff like that. Right. So that's exactly what I get people to do. I shouldn't say this because I'm probably uh, losing a lot of potential participants in workshops. But believe me, once you go through the gateway everything becomes a flow. Everything becomes easy. I mean, you believe me because we were together doing that for a couple of years, but you know, I'm speaking to people at home. Uh, So the breathing is also very important because that's also your first way of release of uh, taking in and letting things out. When you're breathing, of course, nobody can survive without breathing. When I say we don't breathe, we breathe in a very shallow way. When we're in fear, that's the first thing that happens. Our breathing mechanism starts becoming very quick and very shallow. And there's not enough oxygen running through the bodies. It's like, it's like the attempt that we unconsciously do is to hold the flow of life and emotions because we feel them as a menace, right? So what we try to do here is we invite people to be present to this life by breathing more because their color will start changing, right? The emotions will will start coming out. The voice will start to be heard. And all this starts escaping their control. And that's what vulnerability is about, right? We all try to be in control all the time. And we can start also... Now imagining the bridges we can do to the work with uh, with young people, right? Mm-hmm. Because is there any age where fears of change are greater, right? This is where the the biggest change when we are we are already conscious uh, happens. So uh, this is a very sensitive, very vulnerable phase of life. Uh, things are changing all the time. There's no way around it. So what's your relationship with that reality, right? Whether you want or not, things are changing big time. So uh, how can you be present for it? How can you welcome the changes that need to happen? Uh, how can you let people find their, their limits that are changing all the time? How can you uh, help people discovering where are the predominant emotions. Because in everybody, in every personality construction, these uh, emotional journeys are different. There are people that have very accessible anger, which is a very important, it's a primary emotion. You don't survive without it. But there are people who have it completely uh, far from, from their uh, access. And and some other people just, you know, you say something that they don't agree and there it is, totally accessible, right? So uh, we are all so different that people need spaces where they can actually recognize, they can be uh, open to, to look at themselves, not necessarily in a, you know, yeah, as, please interrupt me, because as you as you see, as you hear, this is uh, uh, sometimes hard to stop. So I'm, I'm very grateful when people quit, and I can actually breathe and practice a bit of my preaching. <laughs> I need
1: I was I was listening to you and 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 recalling a little bit the trainings we've done together, where, like you described, um, people who work with young people come. Uh, a lot of times, scared about what's going to be the process. <laughs> Why there is no PowerPoint? <laughs> Why didn't I uh, put some leaf seek uh, seek leaf today? Um, and and there is this creation of this balance between a, an environment of safety and playfulness, of safety but uh, readiness to risk. And when that is created, uh, people actually start developing this capacity they have to, like you said let themselves be seen, to expose their true emotions um, and to overcome this tendency that we all have to to censor our emotions, to fit and uh, to to be adequate to the environment around us, whatever that means for for each one of us. And people kind of release themselves a little bit from that. And when that happens, then we can really talk about um, how does it feel, how does it feel to be so honest and authentic and generally what we would get from people is well it helped me to connect I felt connected when the other one did that as well and we were looking at each other I felt so close so intimate sometimes it feels even too intimate um, that the, the feeling is there and it's not a physical intimacy but it's just that we are both being so vulnerable right now and then we would obviously make the transference to okay when does that happen in your work Do you have spaces where you and your young people are truly vulnerable or connecting or true to your emotions? And uh, to no big surprise, it rarely happens. And I think that was kind of precious moments. I don't know if you agree with that, but precious moments where people would actually think like, huh, yes, uh, maybe putting my mask and my uniform uh, as an educator, as in a youth work every day to work is an important thing, but... Uh, using my uh, Anita or Pedro or who is suit is equally important if I want to truly connect with these humans, these younger humans that I work with. Yeah. Um, it was always amazing, right?
2: That, that, yeah, that's beautiful what you just said, and and I I do, I this it's so interesting these roles that we take, right? Yeah. The, the how how uh, powerful, uh, how powerfully they can actually be we need these roles. We always said this to them, right? We were not trying to take them away from them because they are needed. They're also something that is recognized. And these are the the borders as well. You know, I'm here and I have this mission and this represent this role represents this mission that I have. Right. But the thing is like, you know, I compare it all almost to a mask. We need masks. And in the theater, we need masks. And in clowning, we have the smallest mask in the world, right?
1: The red the,
2: nose. Yeah, and the, the red nose. And the, the origin of the word mask in, in Greek theater is, is persona, right? And it's a beautiful word, persona, because it comes from uh, per and sonare, which is sonare is,
0: means to sound. And per means through. Mm -hmm. So it's
2: what sounds through the mask, right? What is the truth that can cross the mask and open itself? Because we all have these roles, but we also have truth a truth that is happening all the time. And it's what you said. It's Anita and Pedro with our difficulties, with our human uh, uh, realities, that people need also to feel to learn from us.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I don't believe that you can learn from a role. You can learn from a journey between the mask and what in clowning we call the counter mask, which is a more, a less presentable, sometimes a bit more immature part, you know, that we're not so much in control, but it's actually what people really relate to. We don't relate to the edited version that we want to pass on. We will relate to the, the part that is unedited, that is fresh, that is unpredictable, that like the other person may just screw up. Yeah, so when you are uh, brave enough to share that, especially with young people, you immediately gain their respect. Mm. So uh, that's really something that I think we, we, we also sometimes put um, a stress upon, which is like young people have a very good bullshit, bullshit detector. So can I say bullshit? Yes. Okay. I said it twice already. So even if I couldn't. Uh, well, do just...
1: we'll annihilate each other. So that's fine. yes.
2: Yes. Okay. <laughs> positive and positive. Yeah. Exactly. Good. So, um, yeah, I I, I I do think that if you keep young people and this was exactly what drew me into clowning as well in my history i was 20 years old i was studying psychology i was dealing with all this theory about human emotions and authenticity and you know and and emotional freedom and i was just fed up with learning cognitive uh, information you know and 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 then the way i was fed that was also only uh, stimulating my logic mind, right? So I, I was there, there. was such a frustration and such a dissonance in what was being said and the form it was being given, right? And I was very unhappy with it. I, I was close to giving up uh, psychology training because I, I, again, I was smelling the BS. Mm-hmm. And when clowning appeared in my life, I was. There was an Eureka moment as, wait a minute, you can really go there directly mm-hmm. and in the fullness, in the straightforwardness of human experience, right? And you can learn from that. And I think if you present something resembling this to a young person, you at least immediately will have their attention and their respect. You know, this this is something that if you work on in yourself, it will immediately show in how you
0: can actually relate to to young people.
1: Yeah. And and one thing
0: uh, sorry, Anita.
1: Go ahead. Go ahead. One,
0: One thing that I was thinking is that how can we expect young people to be real with us if we're not real with them? How can we understand and know about their struggles if we're hiding ours?
2: Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think everybody who's a parent uh, knows this pretty well, right? <laughs> yes. You you know that your children will definitely be a good coach in reflecting back to you, That that's <laughs> bullshit. Yes. You do the same. Yes. You were the one which, who taught me to do this. I <laughs> learned by observation. So give me a break.
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Today I was reading... Um, uh, some stories about uh, conscious parenthood, and it was exactly about that. About um, my my child doesn't talk to me. Uh, he doesn't tell me uh, what what's going on in his life. And of course, the the question was well, how much of your life do you tell <laughs> him about? What you know, your frustration in your job, or um, the, the the conflict you're going on with your boss or with your neighbor or whatever. And it's true that sometimes we think that we are protecting young people from. Uh, things that don't matter to them. And we do it with good intentions. We do it with, as educators as well. Um, I don't know. Maybe there's a conflict in the team. We're not going to talk anything about it. Uh, or uh, maybe I had a bad day today. I'm not going to tell anything about it. And of course, there's a balance. You, you don't go into a group and say, like, I need to talk today. So the session me. It's not that. But at I'm the same a mess. time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but uh, I'm going to just get drunk here. No, you can't do that. But you can also... Um, just share. Like today is not a good day. I'm not feeling amazing. I'm feeling sad and frustrated. I'm having issues. Um, or we are having issues in the team, or I am having issues back home, and whatever. I want to apologize if uh, if you feel it, but it's here and it's true. And just this, just this capacity to also level your expectations and admit, for example, also when you fail, because that's and I wanted to talk about failure because. I think that's a moment where we, a lot of times, put our masks on. We know we screwed up uh, and we try to hide it. That's, you know, maybe school teaches us that or maybe a, at home we learned that. Society definitely promotes us to do that, to cover up our mistakes. Absolutely. Uh, but but cloning, I think, helps us deal with it in another way, right?
2: yeah you i don't know uh, if we ever did this uh, game with you that i love to when i when i learned this game it's so clear um, the the relationship to what you were saying uh, it's a game where uh, you get people in in a clown training to go out in duos or in trios and come come in the room and behave the best they can be a good boy be a good girl right And they come in and they spend two, three minutes just trying to be the best of themselves. They come in, they do it. It's boring, right? Nothing really happens. They are so contrived. How is it to be good? What can I do to be better? Uh, You only see worry, right? And And it's contrived. Then you get everybody to just have a little taste of it. Then you get people... To come again the same amount of time, but you just say, now I want you to mess, to, to you know, I want you to misbehave. I want you to just be a bad boy and a bad girl. Mm-hmm. And you just give them permission, just for two minutes, it will not be painful, just enjoy it. And then you can see the pleasure emerging, right? Because, you know, we were punished. It's, it's impossible not to be punished because even uh, we who work with young people, we have to set boundaries, right? We have to say no to a lot of things. The problem is sometimes you go into saying you become a no machine gun. No, don't touch that. No, don't sit there. I told you not to put clothes in there, you know. And, and just imagine a, a young person, a kid just growing up Surrounded by nose, uh, not by clown nose.
0: <laughs> <but> by
2: nose, <laughs> it's it, it has a it, it has a toll, and and the toll is that often you feel like if you want to please, if you want to have a, an easier life, you cannot follow your impulse to experiment, to just yeah. test things, you know, to find h- what you like about things. How do you like it, right? so you you lose the opportunity of really finding your own true approach in life mm-hmm. you're just trying to to conform to an image of what you're supposed to to be and to do so in the clown training this is one of the things that you you really work on that's probably one of the most important things is there's a beautiful sentence that i don't remember exactly but it's something like the cl- the clown is the 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 one that uh, strips himself of of all the roles except his own. So you just learn how to be, drop one by one all the roles that you learn that don't are not really inscribed in your in your core, exactly. and you keep the ones that are. I don't believe it's just one, but I do think that that the ones that you keep are the ones that are connected to something vital in you, something that is physically activated. There's a, a reality in it, right? And the, again, you you learn this through the connection, through the to the to the body,
1: mm-hmm.
2: yeah. And I I do think that's how you can actually make friends with failing, with mess up. You will never learn without it. Anything you you have to try out. Uh, there, there, there's this guy who is this uh, science communicator, very Tyson something, yeah. you know, you know the guy. So he says like. Parents, just let your kids mess up. Let them play with eggs, even if they fall on the floor. Let them, you know, they are trying all the f- physics concepts, all the biology, all the chemistry. They are learning how matter uh, uh, works. They are involving their senses and their curiosity, which is actually the most important tool they need to, to thrive is their curiosity, their connection to
1: things, Right. So you and I think that um, this this is this is um, the the sentence that you just used that I find beautiful um, does does kind of wrap up a little bit this idea that clowning really can help us um, connect to our most authentic self and express it in a most authentic way um, just like you were saying finding playfulness discovering our own body and how does it express through all that in the end I think it's a big self-discovery, self-awareness journey of of discovering myself as a person and how do I perform as a youth worker and how do I project into my work and my relationship with others things that I might want to keep and things I might not want to keep or that things that help me and maybe new aspects where I can be more efficient in connecting with others. uh, Absolutely. Where it can become easier to connect, not just with young people, with my colleagues as well, with my partners, with the community around them. Um,
2: that's that's the main point because, you know, we spend a lot of energy keeping mm. these, uh, these masks and keeping the roles and trying to appear like we're not screwing up, mm-hmm. like we feel intimately that we are, right? Most people feel, oh, my God, I hope nobody notices <laughs> how much of a mess I am.
1: Like uh, 90% of the time, me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah. So, you know, th- this is amazing how much energy you spend doing that and not uh, breathing and allowing yourself to just make friends with what's really happening. It's not easy either. You spend energy doing that. You know, you will spend energy and time doing that. But the benefits and and, and the the gains that you bring is exactly... You, you, you are not going to be fighting against reality and other people's reality because it's not fitting to your image or to your uh, attempt to control things, right? So once you just put things out, let yourself, you know, show what you're up to, And you allow yourself to open your eyes, to really see what the other... Because a lot of the clown work, the way I'm describing, sometimes it feels like it's an inner journey. But Mm -hmm. it's exactly the opposite. It's an outer journey. You discover yourself through the eyes of the others, Mm -hmm. right? Often we're not aware of what's going on with ourselves. Mm -hmm. And the best tool to do it is through the the other people. Is through one person that you're doing the exercise
1: with.
2: It's in Relationship. And, and then ultimately, when there's still doubts, you can go to the audience and the audience will give you the reality with extreme clarity. Right. So th- there's, <laughs> and there,
1: to make th- it sometimes.
2: <laughs> yeah. It, it feels palpable, let's say. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and
1: uh, okay. and I think
2: this is such a beautiful tool to have this real feedback from reality. OK, there's no escape. Deal with it. Face it. Let's play with it
0: for god's Mm -hmm. sake don't go watch television to hide from it
1: yeah (laughs) okay we need to wrap up uh although i would keep on talking about this forever i think the three of us we would maybe we need to make another episode to to follow this (laughs) one to the revenge (laughs) yeah Yeah. exactly
2: the sequel
1: (laughs) yeah I mean, because I think that the clown touches so many different things. We we didn't manage to talk about, you know, creativity, capacity to improvise. Absolute communication. Uh, well, yeah. Communication. Exactly. You know, exactly.
2: You, you know you, you'd you name it. Almost all the soft skills uh, exactly. you, you can draw from clowning
1: absolutely that's what i was going to say it's a great training for youth workers who want to work on their soft skills within their professional context of being in contact with an audience which is young people very specific with specific issues uh related to age and socioeconomic context, etc um pedro we have a um a tradition in this podcast which is um every traditions
2: hey let's go to them
1: yeah, the tradition here is we always ask one um, guest to leave a question for the next guest. So, Hui will have a question for you that our one of our last guests uh, left as an open question. And
0: mm-hmm. the question is, what would you do and what kind of decisions would you make if you had three decisions to make that could impact youth work?
2: Oh, wow. Wow, 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 wow. So... I I think I think we touched we touched them. I'm just going to try to sum up. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'd say the first one very clearly is don't sugarcoat reality. Reality nowadays is something you cannot run away from. Uh, And and there's less and less time to Mm -hmm. face it. So don't sugarcoat it. Trust young people they will face a very harsh reality. If you sugarcoat it, you're creating an illusion world. You're creating a matrix. Mm -hmm. So that would be the first one. Trust that they can take it. Second one is related to this one is give them agency to deal with it. It's not just deal with it, you know. (laughs) Learn how it is and now, you know, feel how horrible it is. And maybe in some years you can do something about it. No, let them do something about it now. Find ways with them where how they can act. Put them into play. You know, they need to act. Without action, it despair is round the corner. Yeah. So give them the ability of going into action. And the other thing is never forget to um to see that everything is also, even how desperate things are, it's always possible to make a joke about things. It's always possible to, you know, to um, find that little grain of of sand that is not really expected. And you can, you know, the other day I had a really bad piece of news. And I was coming back on my bike, coming back home, and I just saw a guy eating an ice cream and choking on the ice cream and spitting (laughs) the old ice cream. I was miserable, but I had such a laugh. I almost fell off my bike. And I was like, this is it. This is how I want to live.
0: Choking (laughs) on ice cream.
2: (laughs) Big time. Yeah, you know, just being able to move, to create movement, because otherwise we get stuck, we get imprisoned.
1: Yeah, on yeah. downward spirals, yeah.
2: Yeah. So, yeah, I'd say
1: maybe these three.
2: These very ones good are the ones.
1: More. Very good ones. Okay, so because you left such an impressive answer with three parts, you <laughs> are now entitled to punish the next guest. I mean, uh, honor the next guest with you your, your question.
2: Well, <laughs> how can I put the other person in a tight spot? let <laughs> try to uh, okay. So I, I, I'd maybe ask this person what are in 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 their opinion the best tools uh, to give young people that may serve them in facing the challenges of their generation yeah. uh, that you know they have to do with the continuation of life as we know it and other very light subjects like that, right? But what best tools? Uh, can serve them in facing these uh, huge challenges without them being overwhelmed and propelling them into action.
1: Right, all right, that's a challenging, nice one. Good. Okay, Pedro, uh, finally, um, would you have any resources or ideas for any listener right now that wants to explore more about clowning? Uh, Would you, what would you recommend?
2: Uh, go and do clown trainings. Okay. You know, it's like, it's like running. You cannot learn about running without running. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you can read a lot about running and nothing changes. Your knowledge about it changes, but nothing really changes. So I compare it to running. Go and have a jog in with clowns. Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) The running clowns.
2: (laughs) The running clowns. There are organizations in every country's. Mm-hmm. Uh, of professional clowns, and most of them offer clown training. So find them, and if you don't, write me, and I'll help you finding it.
1: Perfect. Thank you very much. I would add one resource there. It's a it's a, s- a small one, but last year I was involved in a in a project called Future Labs, and we made a manual with innovative methods that you can use with young people. And we made so short descriptions and a few exercises that people can use from each one of these techniques. One of them is clowning. It's described by one of our colleagues, Sergio Gonçalves. He's also a clown himself. So we will also add that link as well as the contact of Pedro into, into the list in the descriptive text of this episode.
2: Perfect. There's also there's also a book, uh, if you're talking about that, there's also a book that has quite a big list of uh, exercises and games and, and describes a bit of what clowning is, which is uh, from Brodin Tara, and the book is called Do That Funny Thing You Do.
1: All right. All right. So we'll add that as well?
2: Yeah. You can easily find the PDF uh, on the web.
1: Okay. Very cool. Pedro, thank you so, so much for sharing your wisdom and your art with us and with so many people around. It was uh, truly not enough to go yes. into all of these topics, but it was really nice and fun. We hope that you had a good time as well.
0: I
2: loved it. Thanks, guys.
0: And I hope we can have the, the round two we talked about. <laughs> <laughs> jogging.
1: Jogging. Yes,
0: the, the, r- the running podcasters. Yeah.
1: With a, a lot of. <laughs> <Lonely>. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> I need a drink. <laughs> okay, thank you very Bye. much and see you around. You're around. Bye.
0: This podcast is produced by Tim Maesh with the support of UMAC, University of Applied Sciences.